Hi, this is Bob, and today I have an interview with Karmic Gray. Karmic Gray has released Tomb. This album displays heartfelt lyrics and deals with aspects of heart, the heart's realities of life. Combined with a superb mix and a creative flow that sonically and lyrically takes you on a thought-provoking trip. Done in two days, this is a masterpiece. And here is my interview with Karmic Gray. Hello, my friend. Hey, what's up, I man? To, I wanted to thank you. I'm doing pretty good. Hey, thank you. Um, sorry, my hearing's a little off right now. I'm. Uh, I hope I'm not too spotty. Um, I appreciate you having me on here. Oh, it's great having you on, and from Ohio as well. Yep, good old Newark, Ohio. Uh, it's in Licking County, really small town in central Ohio, south of Columbus, I believe. Um, not much going on here. Not much of a scene at the moment that I know of, but uh, we've got a couple bands locally, I think. I wanted to talk to you on April 25th. You released Tomb. I wanted to know if you could speak about the album conception and how it came across musically to you. Okay, so Tomb, let's uh, let's uh, think about this for a minute. Okay, I'm just going to be as blunt as I can. Uh, Tomb, I initially was working on... So, to give a little history real quick, I'm in three bands. I got a Karmic Gray's my solo stuff. I'm in Zion Code and Jarmara. Uh, one's melodic death metal that I've been doing since 2021. Jarmara is like a death sludge band out of NOLA that I do all the music for with my friend Brittany. Mm-hmm. Um so anyways, I was doing, uh, I just did a record called Venom Deep, my second album, which is like alternative, pop, rap, metal, whatever I wanted it to be. But then on, I think, April 20th, my bassist from high school and best friend that I grew up with, Zachary Smith, had unfortunately passed away um, at 30 years old due to a heart attack. He was perfectly healthy. Just unfortunately, it was one of those rare occurrences. And uh, so when he had passed... I had found out from a, a mutual friend in the scene. I reached out to my old bandmates, uh, one of his best friends that worked with him. And I just, you know, I tried to reason with everything and make sense of it. And the only way I could really do so was to begin writing more music because I couldn't really get out and socialize um, with my mental health and such. I had to just kind of do what I know how to do to heal, and that was create. So I locked myself in this apartment for two whole days. Started working on the first song, um, which was, I believe, uh, I think it's on the Tomb record. It's called, uh, I want to say, Remember to Live. That was the lyrics I penned. It was based off an old demo I recorded initially in 2020. I, there's two songs that were old demos. The rest were just written on the fly in two days. So this is all kind of something I did to process the tragedy and heal from everything that occurred. Um I didn't think it would turn into a record. It was a very painful experience, but it was also a very cathartic experience. I think that uh, as far as the sound of the album sonically is very um, just captivating to listen to the tracks and to go through them. The songs uh, almost run into each other seamlessly, and that's one of the greatest things about this album. Oh, well, I really appreciate that. Um, 
that that really does mean a lot. I've always tried to do that with our albums, whether it be with Zion Code, Jarmara, my solo stuff. The weird thing about this record, man, uh, when I was piecing it together, I didn't think about it. It just was, let's get this here. I just mm-hmm. put it where it needed to be. I didn't think about what was coming. I didn't put much thought into it like I did my other records. But I knew all the material told a story. The only song I knew for certain was going to be the last track on the record was The Valley, which was definitely a tribute to Zachary. That mm. there was a definitive goodbye, I love you, and I'm sorry I wasn't there for you as much as I should have been kind of thing. And uh, Yeah, man, Tomb, when I was mixing that, I had only been running on maybe an hour of sleep in the three days that it took to put that thing out. So I'm kind of honored that anybody would think the mix is good on it. I only hear what I hear. I don't have monitors. You know, I'm running on a $70 guitar with strings I haven't changed in two years and a laptop that's maybe worth $500. Uh, so I'm, I'm very grateful that you enjoyed the mix on that. I try to produce everything I can with as much care and precision as possible. Would you say that the final track on the album was the hardest to lay down? The Valley, uh, yeah, because I had this pretty piece... And I didn't know I was writing a tribute yet to him. It just I laid it out because I, I listen to bands like uh, Woods E. Prey from Canada. They're, they're no longer around, but I love them. Um, I like uh, Into Eternity, Nevermore, uh, Shaded Emity, and uh, stuff like that. Real sad, almost kind of uh, melancholy, pretty type stuff. And so I had this piece, and then I thought, well, it sounds like a goodbye almost or a eulogy. And... Uh, it was hard because when I was singing, I had to, I was debating on just making a metal, screamy type track. And then I realized that I have a buddy named James Egger from the Columbus, Ohio area that I grew up with for many years. We would sing together and uh, even used to go to church together, if you can believe that. And uh, he uh, had taught me about like singing like a clean singer. So like a lot of that was influenced by like Chris Cornell and mm-hmm. – um, the guy from uh, a blind melon, Shannon Hoon, I think it is. Yes. And Jane's addiction. So I was trying to sing as emotionally uh, as real as I could, but I'll be honest. There was a couple times when I was singing that song, I almost lost it and burst into tears. And the really crazy thing is, a lot of people don't know this. My lyrics all happen freestyle. I don't write anything down until after it's recorded. Nothing is put to paper. Wow. It's all. On the fly. Well, my philosophy is Juice World, the rapper, did that. Uh, when he would work on records, it was just what he felt at that moment. So I wanted to make sure the energy was what I was experiencing. Even in the guitar work, man, I, I tried to channel like almost like a, uh, I don't know, uh, Slash maybe or something. Just really mm. play with some feel this time and not just shred, you know? Right. And I also wanted to talk about with all these projects, you're a very busy man. I wanted to ask you, what has inspired your endless creativity? Okay. Uh, the best way I can say it is I, I was really just a kid with a dream. You know, when I was 16, I had played my first show at the Al Rosa Villa and a band called Volterio with my buddy Zach, of course, and Joshua and Steven. Uh, and uh, then at 18, I moved to Cleveland and joined a band called – I had my band Swallowed by Apathy. We worked with a guy from Roadrunner, Chris Clancy. Uh, he was in the band Mutiny Within. He mixed our first album. But then my dreams kind of fell apart when my grandma had cancer. And then I, of course, had my mental health diagnosis. I quit music for a long time, only played here and there, was married six years. 
And then in 2019, I moved in with my dad in Columbus, Ohio for a bit. And I, he had a condo up there and I was just kind of like, uh, trying to figure out what I wanted to do with my life. I was newly divorced. I didn't really have much belief anymore in things I used to. And I wanted to be sure that like, uh, I was doing something fulfilling. So I had attempted to record a little bit on my phone using an app called BandLab, which I still use to this day to MIDI out my drums. But uh, I had gotten a computer with my pandemic money. <laughs> mm-hmm. And uh, my dad was like, hey, I'll buy you a cheap guitar. Just get back to doing something you love, you know, because he remembered me as a kid just playing shows and shit. And uh, so, yeah, I, I had attempted to put out some demos with a buddy named Preston out of, uh, I think, Alabama. And uh, we got laughed at, you know, we were getting laughed at ridiculous amounts by this band out of Australia who I won't name. But uh, I got tired of being bullied, man, because I, I had worked with some serious cats, dude. Like, I was almost an end to eternity at 19 years old. They were considering having me come to Canada when Stu joined Iced Earth. So to be bullied by a band that, to me, just was they, – they were good musicians, but they were kind of cruel to me when I had mm-hmm. nothing. So that pain of, like, uh, being made fun of and shit publicly and laughed at, especially when I was dealing with some death and things during that time – which actually is how I got my name of Comic Gray. A buddy committed suicide, and I took that name as a tribute to him. Uh, it's a d- deep story I won't get into. But, yeah, the bullying is what fed that. And, you know, my entire life has been spent in music to escape from the hard times. And now I'm realizing that those hard times are what make the music so good. So it's kind of ironic. <laughs> I also wanted to speak about the album artwork and the artist that was involved for too. So the artwork for Tomb, another funny, weird-ass story. That artwork was done before the record was even conceived. It was just a piece that my buddy Adam Gordon out of the United Kingdom gave me. Me and him have been good friends. You can find him on Instagram. I think it's Vodamoski. Maybe it's Vodam a lot of art. I'm sure I can get the link to you somehow later on. But Adam's a good buddy of mine. He's just a friend that reached out when I was having a hard time. And I, I'm often very transparent about my life on Instagram. And uh, he, he had been sending me some pieces, and I thought, man, some of this is really cool. Some of it was kind of not my thing, but still cool. But that piece he gave me, I wasn't intending on it being for Tomb. And then I was thinking about the record. I was kind of just going through some what, what little bit of art I did have. And I said, that's the one, because the record was recorded in three days. It's a metaphorical crucifixion resurrection record you know it's not from a religious standpoint but just generally christ was in the tomb three days this apartment was my tomb for three days and i had to put my friend in a tomb you know so that's where the title came from the the skulls and shit adam designed the logo was done by my buddy scott bragg he's a rapper from uh central ohio i also wanted to ask you if you could speak to me in 2028 where do you see your career at that point oh uh, you know <clears throat> i'm not really sure i would love to play live again i have these dreams of going down to louisiana and maybe booking a few shows with the vocalist of jarmara maybe even flying to europe and hanging out with vanessa and playing some gigs i don't know how that will look i don't know where the world and the economy is going to be but my hope is that i will get to eventually meet up with Brittany and do a Jarmara gig. But uh, I'd hope to be remembered and maybe possibly gain more fans with no label and just doing it because I love it. And I hope to leave a mark of 
inspiration and positivity for other aspiring acts that may not be able to find bands or drummers and just record this shit at their home by themselves, you know? Sure. And I think that's the, that's the great thing about technology of today. You know, back in my time, I'm 57 back in my time, the idea of recording and producing music and getting it out there from home was an impossibility. Now that's no longer that impossibility. I think that opens the doors for so much creativity and so many new sounds. I think that metal is stronger than it's ever been. Oh, absolutely. You've got a lot of great solo acts coming out, doing everything now. You know, you've, and there's, there's some bands that do it now that I'm meeting, like uh, my friend in Cincinnati, Azzy from A Serpent's Hand. That's all one guy. You've got uh, Demon Stiller that just got signed to a massive label out of, out of being a guy like me, you know. Uh, Sahil from India. Matt Heafy gained interest in him from Trivium. And, uh, and then you've got Shaded Imity is just basically Joe now. And uh, occasionally Jeff Loomis will help him produce stuff, but... Yeah, I mean, you've got all these guys that have the ability to do everything themselves now because of things like DistroKid, the great, uh, beautiful um, streaming services. And it's become more about the content being 100% creative control of the artist, publishing rights to the artist. Nobody's getting ripped off. And really, the scene's more supportive these days, too. Sure. I've done interviews with artists from the 80s, you know, telling me horror stories of how they got signed into nightmare contracts where the first two albums, they made absolutely not shit from them. Right. I didn't know myself. But they're young young and, you know, didn't have lawyers and they thought, wow, you know, the dream is getting on a label and ended up getting fucked beyond belief. Well, yeah, because when you're young, especially when a lot of these guys will sign younger guys, you know, it's not these guys they can fool. When when you're young, you don't always know what's in the contracts. You might know, but you might not understand certain wordings and what that entails legally with percentages and, you know, crazy numbers and shit. So it's it's weird, you know, to think that back then they could really sign these young bands. And sometimes the bands would get a good deal because they'd find the right people that wanted them and cared about their careers. Other times it was a money machine, man. Sure. So it's 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 a different time we're in for sure. <laughs> Yo, um, I've talked with bands I don't want to mention any of them, but I've talked with bands that you know received nothing from the first two and had to pay back for all the staging equipment that was Whew. provided to them by the record company. Sounds a lot like a, a guy I was recently listening to a podcast on. <laughs> hmm. He he went out and called a label out. I'm not going to say who he is, but. I'll tell you after the interview, of course. But yeah, <laughs> you'd, you'd be surprised who it actually is. <laughs> I also wanted to ask you, um, what's the best way to get a physical copy and to gain merchandising from you? Okay, here's the downside to what I do. <laughs> because I am on disability and I barely, I barely even eat most days. <laughs> I'm going to be real. It's all hustle. But uh, we don't have physical merch. John Mara does, <laughs> which is uh, out of uh, – that's my band with my singer, Brittany, out of New Orleans. She hand-makes discs and CD cases and stuff. She's actually doing a wonderful job with that. I'm very proud of her. And then, uh, of course, me and uh, Vanessa Funk from Germany are talking about pressing the next Zion Code record. 
But as of right now, there's no real merchandise for any of this. Uh, I'd like there to be, but I'm still learning about how to run a shop that would uh, not mass produce shirts in case we can't sell everything, but maybe like small quantity runs. So if anybody knows any small quantity places where I can just get like a run of 20 or 30 of something, that would be wonderful. Because right now I, I need the supply to meet the demand. Sure. And that's the same problem I run into. I went to getting into shirts and I was like, man, I got to charge fucking 25 bucks for a shirt. It's yeah. wild. And then you hear about these venues taking merch cuts. <laughs> right. <laughs> I couldn't imagine touring and having to deal with that. And I also wanted to ask you, uh, is there a new, another project in the works as we speak? Already, yeah. Uh, Zion Code 6 is finished. I've got Vanessa Funk mixing and mastering. That's the first time I've let anybody mix and master anything I've played guitar on in my life since I've done this uh, coming back in 2021. Vanessa's mixing and mastering that record, playing guitar alongside me. We've completed the music. She's taking a vacation this month and then coming back, and we're going to hit the vocals together. And then uh, I'm working on a new John Mar release with uh, Brittany Madeline. And uh, I'm working on a new Akarmic Grey record that's not going to be metal as much as it's going to be really different. It's a very personal, almost spoken word type thing. But there will be more metal to come. Uh, this is just uh, me trying to, I guess, decompress from the tomb sessions. You know, that record was mm -hmm. really difficult on me. It was taxing lyrically, you know. <laughs> and lastly, I wanted to ask you, if you could give a message to your fans, what would that message be? Okay, uh, to my fans, thank you all for always engaging and perceiving what I have to say on social media. Uh, to all of you out there that listen to my music, thanks for taking a chance on a uh, pretty average Joe from Central Ohio. And uh, I hope that my music will continue to touch your lives as long as I'm here and even afterwards. Well, I appreciate that, and I'll tell you what, you you have gained a new fan in me. I happened to stumble across you going down the rabbit hole of sites and came across your music, and you gained my, uh, my attention right off the rip. That is probably the kindest thing anybody has said to me in a very long time. I appreciate that. I don't hear that very often, man. I, I never really know how people find me, so that means a lot to me. Well, I wanted to thank you for taking time to speak with me. It's been an absolute pleasure speaking with you, my friend. Thank you so much, uh, Robert. I appreciate that. And please feel free to update me with any new stuff as it comes about, and we'll be sure to get it out there. Always. Can I add one more thing, my friend? Absolutely. I encourage all of you to stream your favorite artists on Spotify. It doesn't have to be me, but any streams you give those artists – counts towards anything they might need in life you know so stream that little guy stream that stream the little guys as much as you can those streams add up after a while <laughs> absolutely absolutely and and definitely get out there and, and support acts in the clubs and yep. uh, you know that's where the money's made um you know the avenues the million dollar contract days are over 
It's a grind now. <laughs> unless you're fucking Adele or somebody like that. <laughs> so <laughs> we could have had it all, couldn't we? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> now we're rolling in the deep poverty. <laughs> <laughs> all right. I'm oh, sorry, I'm clowning right now. <laughs> uh, but yeah, yeah, thank you, my friend, again, and it is absolute pleasure speaking with you. And uh, I hope we can talk again real soon, my friend. I would love that. You seem like a really stand-up guy. Hey, thank you guys for having me on. I'll uh, go ahead and take my bow now and uh, catch you all on the flip side. (laughs) I'd like to thank you for listening to today's podcast. You can sponsor the podcast. Just click that button and you can be a member of the family. And remember, come see me for a fix.